Off top, in 1970, the Oakland A's hired a team astrologer. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. I'm here with my good friend, Charlie. I don't know if I can call you a friend or not, because all you've been doing is, I mean, you are my friend. I guess this is what friends do to each other. Uh, you just been giving me all weekend or, or all week about me not being a five-star recruit when I obviously did not make it up, and I refused to dig through the crates of my parents' house to find the proof. So... First of all, if I was just saying nice things to you, I would not be your friend. That's very you know true. That. I'd be you, so pissed. The I second I realized you. that you liked me is when you stopped saying nice, polite things to me. <laughs> yeah, I was just being kind of casually nice as you are to people you don't really night, you don't really know, and then we became real friends. That's, and then you get roasted. The second I said something dumb and you referred to me as a bleeping idiot, I was like, I'm in. I'm <laughs> That's in. my guy. This is my dude. Love him. Um, so the show has a new enemy. It used to be Kevin Clark, and it, it is still Kevin Clark, enemy okay. of the show. Tom Lemming. Recruiting analyst. I guess this is ESPN, ESPN beef in theory. Oh. He didn't have you in his top 100 prospects in the country. And Rivals had you 17th overall, five-star. Oh, so I am a five-star. Right. I, so I wasn't not making it up. Not unanimous. Not unanimous. Oh, I never said that I was a unanimous five-star. I, I said that I was a five-star. And the proof is there. Tom Lemming doesn't agree. I did a lot of deep dives into the 2001 college football <laughs> recruiting class. A lot. And this is, it's not funny, but it's a little bit funny. Shout out I, Rivals. We love you. Let's get a subscription. They still doing stuff? They oh, still yeah. I to, oh, okay. We had to fight to get behind that paywall. I really do need to subscribe <laughs> after the content they just gave us. But number one recruit in your class was Joe Maurer. Oh. Potential Hall of Fame baseball player. Catcher for the Twins. Was national party as a quarterback. Yeah. Um. It's not funny. Concussions are not funny, but him choosing the professional baseball route and having his career ended by concussions is a little bit funny when he didn't, well, he avoided the CTE of football. If you, yeah, I mean, that, that's, can we call it ironic or, yes. or something like that? But I agree with you. Concussions are not funny, but we treat concussions. It's so funny how we've been socialized and we behave so differently around football concussions than we do like kickboxing concussions oh. or boxing concussions. We just, we cackle it all up. The baseball concussions, it's like, why isn't he? Why isn't he hitting 350 anymore? What? <laughs> What's going on? Oh, it's we're seeing sick, two dude. baseballs. I um um. I think so. Your research for the Tom Lemming uh, list. We don't like Tom Lemming now. We're Tom Lemming haters. I mean, look, he had 25 defensive backs ahead of you at least because he did a top 25 by position. That's and so I think that with maybe the exception of Antrell Roll on that list, you're better than every single one. All right, cool. Appreciate so, it. He made a mistake. He did. If he, Tom, if you issue an apology, 23 years later, <laughs> Kevin Clark can be the sole enemy of the show again. Nah, it's going to take 23 years for me to forget. Or maybe half. That's what they say, right? For a breakup, it takes half as long. So, yeah. So, we'll be back friends with Tom Lemming in a little over a decade. Yeah, I mean, this is like you guys saying Josh Allen was going to be a draft bust. Him missing you in his Ooh, top don't 25. Don't remind people of that. <laughs> Stop it. Everyone has Stop misses. it. I, I, I backtracked on that a long time ago. I even defended his interceptions. <laughs> me and Josh Allen are okay. I do not want to piss off... That monster. That Josh, come on the football. show. We love you. Nah, don't come on the show. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll take it. Let me get a little boost. A yeah, little bump. A little um, Josh bump. Bring me back to my high school and college days. I remember, so I enrolled the year before I played, uh, or the year before I went to uh, Maryland, uh, I think it was Philip Rivers did an early enrollment mm -hmm. thing. And I was like, I'm smart. I could do that. So I graduated early. And the second half of my senior year in high school, I went to, it was very stupid, but it worked out because it was so much fun to be a senior in high school. Like it was, I was the best, one of the best football players in the state and I'd already finished football season. It was so great. And you know what my dumbass did? Let me go be a, a freaking child on a man's team and go play spring ball at the University of Maryland in which I got my ass whooped. I have a picture I should show you. I'll find it somewhere. It's like my ID. So I took the ID, school ID, because it wasn't natural enrollment period. The school ID picture taken was later. And I took it after, like, in the midst of spring ball. And I looked like I saw a ghost. I didn't have a barber yet. I had pimples all over my face. And I just looked like this, just dead in the eyes. You'd just been eating hand cleans for, for a month and a half. <laughs> just dead in the eyes. But the story that I was thinking about was, um, so my parents dropped me off. And because my mom was upset, they went to Disney World immediately after dropping me off. The day after, I have to do weight training. And we just get there. I get to the weight room. And they're like, 
hey, you're 17 years old. You need permission. So <laughs> the whole on a team, college campus. Yes, the whole team is in the weight room lifting weights, and I'm sitting in uh, Deej Galt, uh, uh, Dwight Galt. Deej was his nickname. The strength coach office waiting for my parents to fax a signed permission slip from Orlando at Disney World back to University of Maryland campus, so I could go in there and bench press damn near nothing. At that age, you would you weigh 160 pounds? Uh, nah, I was 150 something when I showed up. And there. it was 2001. So you were probably wearing gigantic clothes. Oh, enormous. Lots of jerseys and lots of huge baggy clothes. So after your permission slip signed, you walked into a weight room of men oh, probably throwing around a ton of weight oh. as and probably looked like a child yeah. like a slender man i've told this story so we had cut off like the we all have the same uniform for mm -hmm. everything so we had like the shorts black shorts that mine were hyper baggy and we had cut off shirts our weightlifting shirts would say like maryland football something blah 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 blah, and they were all cut off and i walked in there looking ashamed but i didn't i didn't feel this might speak to the ego that i had and maybe i still have but I did. I felt like I belonged, and I've told this story before about Karom Cox. Oh, you tried to fight him, right? Yeah, or tried to fight him. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was Karom was was uh, one of the corner starting corners. He was a, a couple years older than me and had been in the program for a while and was probably one ninety five corner, like ripped. Yeah, very muscular dude. And so over the course of a few weeks of me getting comfortable and me actually starting to play well in spring ball. Uh, we would have these things that young men do because young men are dumb is we would you could challenge somebody to like box Lock boxing yeah, yeah locker room boxing you challenge somebody and you didn't have to dislike them or it didn't have to be mm. a reason but if you did have a beef with somebody you challenge them so Karam was one of the starting corners and I, I decided that I wasn't gonna like him we're friends now and he's coaching <laughs> maybe at UVA now but he's a coach mm. he was one of the starting corners and I was like the other starting corner was Tony O'Callaghan. He was better than Karom. So I was like, all right, that's the one. I want him. Karom hit me with a hook. And to this day, I appreciate that he is not a malicious person because he could have kept going because I, I think I went black for a second. I didn't go down, but he hit me with a hook where I was like, oh, I woke up. and seeing he, stars. Yeah, he stopped. He stopped because he's a good human, and that's probably why we became friends later on. And, yeah. We played together in Denver. He played, he, um, yeah, he ended up a free agent in Denver when I was there. And we would, we got into a couple fights there, not with each other, with other people because yeah. special teams. You started over at that point. Yeah. You're, you're right long term. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of Josh Allen, there is a crazy playoff scenario brewing. If the Steelers beat the Ravens, who are starting Snoop Huntley and presumably many other second string players, the Jaguars beat the 5 and 11 Titans, which, seems likely given that they need to make the playoffs and the dolphins beat the bills on sunday night football the bills are eliminated from the playoffs the dolphins have clinched the playoff spot would drop from the two to the six seed and would go into kansas city if they lose that game which say what you want about the chiefs not being good you're still going against patrick mahomes in a playoff game at home so my question to you is what is the more likely scenario? And we can go through all the iterations of this. The Bills miss the playoffs or they make the Super Bowl? Gosh, so this unusual circumstance where you could be the two seed or you could be out of the playoffs, I've come to believe is perfect for the Bills yeah. because that's how I feel about Josh Allen and the Bills is like, he could be the best in football and he could also not be the best in football sometimes, but you would never hear me say that because I love Josh Allen and yeah. I'm sorry for what I said. About, future guest. Yeah. Uh, future guest, Josh Allen. Um, oh, I got a funny story for you. I told Bomani this on his show. It's another sidetrack. Sorry, but it's you'll okay. like we'll this. get back to it. So I was talking to Mina about how right we were uh, about Lamar Jackson coming out the draft and mm -hmm. I, reminded her that I did a mock draft and me and I wrote a story together about Lamar Jackson but after that story I did a mock draft where I had him going seven to Jacksonville and said in that blurb that I wrote I said he was the best quarterback in the draft and I was like that feels good let me look this up I looked up the mock draft and and screenshotted the blurb to send it to Mina and I sent it to her and then as I'm reading it I said that Jacksonville should trade up because not only is the city named after him or some cutesy writing thing, but also because it would pair him with talented young offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Oof. 
I had such a good I would love to tweet this out and remind people how smart I am about football but now I can't because I ruined it no 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 that's perfect <laughs> it's like and, and that, at that point Nathaniel Hackett had had success with Blake Bortles in the playoffs oh, yeah. during design quarterback run so oh, yeah. I was like this is perfect the Usain Bort era yeah I'm so smart and then he ruined it anyway back to what you were talking about uh, the Bills they're really good yeah and uh, they're really scary I think the question, the answer to your question is obviously to me, it's missed the playoffs altogether. Mm. Seems more likely than to make it to the Super Bowl. Because to make it to the Super Bowl, we would have, we would be asking the Bills to do something that we have not seen them do this season, which is be consistent. Yeah. And like be consistently good. And it's injuries, blah, 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 offensive coordinator changes. Like it's 9 um, 11 scandals and mid-season 9-11 scandals uh coach they might not even want yeah. there it seems like a lot to ask for them to uh go undefeated in a postseason uh with that roster in those holes which seems a lot more likely and if you remember five six seven weeks ago i guess when this all started i think their playoff probability was like i think it went down to 11 percent. yeah i was gonna say the teens it went lower than the yeah. teens it was pre-teen and this, what they've accomplished up until this point, is like worth celebrating and really impressive and a credit to their fortitude and, and a credit to their head coach and sticking together because they've had a lot of things go on. But it's hard for me to imagine that that team then rips through the AFC. So I respect your analysis. However. However, they are not missing the postseason. And let me tell you why. Because... You can say what you want about the Dolphins dropping to the sixth seed and it's going to be Sunday Night Football and there are things that could happen ahead of time. Like the, This might not even matter. Both teams right. might be in the playoffs. But if you are the Dolphins, and on this podcast, we do not condone intentionally losing games. We do not condone, condone tanking. We, don't, we know that there's a culture of winning. But, 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 Tyreek Hill has had a high ankle sprain. Jalen Waddle has been banged up all year. Devon Achan is coming back and tra- still trying to get in form for the playoffs from a, from a knee injury. Raheem Mostert has a knee injury. Tua has had so many injuries that the fact yeah. that he's been clean this year is I mean, a he miracle. messed up his shoulder last yeah. week. Yeah, and messed up his shoulder. And last week, Mike McDaniel left Bradley Chubb in a game too long, he, and yeah. he tore his ACL. And to me, it's not condoning losing, but you are a dumb team and a dumb coach if you leave those guys in the game too too long when you have the playoff spot locked in and there's a chance that it doesn't even matter because like they should not be scared of playing Kansas City right they are a better football team than the Kansas City Chiefs at this point and the only way that they're not is if the best player in the NFL who's not Patrick Mahomes Tyreek Hill is out and those guys are injured going to Kansas City going to Kansas City yeah yeah you're I I enjoy your pitch you are doing a good job selling it because you're leaving out the portions that seem most relevant to this and leaving out the portions that cut against your argument that's the, right the next step of <laughs> that's arguing how you do it. the next step of arguing is you have to present the opposing position and then undercut that in some way but you can't undercut that what is the other likely option of who they will play in the playoffs and where uh I mean if they were the two seed yeah like Probably someone from the AFC South. There you go. Yep. They should play harder in this game than any game. So I guess the, the but question they will is, lose to that team if they if they get guys yeah, injured. That's the question is do you think you have a better chance against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City off a week of rest mm-hmm. or a better chance against the AFC South at home? Um, having played those guys, give me that. I would play as hard as I could. I would play as intense in this game if I was the the Dolphins. They are not a team that's they're not a team that I think are so good and so comfortable that it doesn't matter. And if they're playing, yeah. uh, if you're playing for seating or positions like that, seems like a more basketball-y thing to do than football. That's what I was wondering about. Yeah. Is it feels way more basketball-y, but like yeah. should I don't get why teams don't jockey for it in the NFL ever. I think it's probably too hard because yeah. they the NFL is good about like the time windows and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you can't really think that much about it. And the best thing you can do is go out there and, and win. Uh, yeah. I think the obvious answer is that they need to go beat the bills and get a home playoff game. And also this doesn't weigh into the fans calculation, but if you think that the owners have any input or how intense you take this game, <laughs> home playoff game, I don't know the exact number, but it's probably, probably looking at, 10, 12, 13 million dollars to host a home playoff game. So 
about that, I have one other follow-up question on the concept of of this. If you're the Ravens, because I okay, I'm looking at the AFC. I think you could actually make a case that the Bills are the second best team in the AFC. Like you not saying they definitely are. I think yeah, there's that tier, but I think like they've been playing that well for the last five weeks since their back has been against the wall and the AFC has been so erratic. If you're the Ravens, is that a team where you're just like and I know they're starting their second string guys, but do you sort of try and intentionally tank that game to knock the Bills out of the playoff? Because that is the type of thing where it's actually a competitive advantage. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of the culture stuff that I talk yeah. is influenced by my experience at the Ravens. Mm-hmm. That is not something that anyone there will explicitly do or talk about uh, and would be shunned if they suggested it. But Snoop starting which is a capable quarterback. They were competitive yeah. in the playoffs last year with Snoop, and they won some games with Snoop. So it's a possible, it's a possibility that they could win this game. But, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with avoiding Josh Allen or making his path as difficult as possible. I don't have any problem with that, especially when you've earned this time off. So, yeah, yeah I, I get that for the Ravens. The I've been rolling this stat out all since last week and all on get up and everywhere I can. And no one really seems to think it's as mind blowing as I do, but that according to ESPN analytics, you would take the 49ers over the field. There's 61% chance, 61% chance to get to the Super Bowl, 34 to win the Super Bowl. And for the Ravens, it's 52% to get to the Super Bowl and 24, I think 25% to win the Super Bowl. It's since 2015, I think the only other team that's gone over 50% has been the Chiefs on a couple of different occasions and they were barely over 50%. It's crazy to me. I think part of it is because there's only one first round bye. I think yeah. that probably increases the probability, but the I guess the the probability or the yeah, the probability, according to our analytics, is just mind-blowing to me. I, I assume that that heavily weights DVOA to a, to too high of a standard in a single sample size because I'm I'm just thinking, like, I know before the Ravens game, I think the 49ers had, like, the third, were the third best DVOA team of all time, and the Ravens were, like, 11th. So they were both elite, but, like, the 49ers were, like, historically good. It was, like, the 07 Pats and the 01 Rams ahead of them. Um, but also, like, those analytics models... They hit the Celtics as a sixty-five percent chance to win the title last year. Right. Like they yeah. fo- they focus way too hard on. Well, like- I, I think you would agree with this. We've had this conversation before that I think playoff basketball is significantly different yeah. from NBA from regular season basketball. I think to whatever degree NFL playoffs are different from regular season playoffs, I think it's it's minor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I but it's single elimination, so anything could happen. So. And like I, I, to me, that's probably more of the difference is probably more at this point because those teams are so far ahead of the field analytically. They probably weight the NFC as significantly worse. Right. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they weight the NFC as significantly worse. They're not saying that the 49ers are better. They're saying yeah. that the 49ers' path yeah. is easier. I just think it's, it's it, again, I roll a stat out thinking it's going to blow somebody's mind, and it doesn't blow anybody's <laughs> mind. Like the field, they are telling you the stat nerds are saying take this team over Hold every on. other team. Hold on, though, I would be. Wouldn't you be shocked if the 49ers don't make the Super Bowl, barring an injury? Barring I mean, an injury, I guess football shocked. I w- I might be football shocked. I wouldn't be genuinely shocked. How many times has a one seat not made a Super Bowl? Definitely, like yeah. but like normally there are two good teams in the conference. Yeah. Well, I, all right, that's fine. And there's and I think the the change of the schedule with one first yeah. round bye has skewed it more to uh, these top teams. But it's I don't know. I think it's mind blowing. But I guess your your mind is not as blown uh, as I want it to be. No, no, no. It's like, I I think if it had been a couple years ago, if it had been a normal conference, like yeah. if this had been um like a, a, a like a Chiefs Bills year when the teams were really good in the AFC and you had right. one at like above sixty percent chance, I'd be yeah. like that's. Because my crazy. guess, my guess is the Eagles' um, yeah. numbers were as good or as good last year as the 49ers are, or at least close. But the 49ers existed. Yeah, there wasn't a clear affiliation. <laughs> yeah. so right. All right. Cool. Um, Moving on. Ruin my and, fun. No, I mean injuries will change all because like this is the type of thing where someone's going to play thing. back the clip they, and be like, "You're an idiot," and it's like, "Well, don't they?" So I would assume. Got hurt. It's like I would assume. I guess maybe they don't factor in like. Sliders uh, in- for injuries are turned off. Oh, on no, the, I mean, yeah, or they don't factor in injury probability. Yeah. But I mean, I guess they have to because they have to factor in like the history of what happens in that position, which is some injuries happen. All right. Well, this yeah. is a long uh, sidebar That's that we good, probably didn't Good need. podcasting. I loved yeah, it. So I enjoyed it. Um, so let's talk about the AFC South with the, the, that we just talked about. The Texans can, clin- can clinch the AFC South yeah. with a win over the Colts America's and a Jaguars team. lost, who 
and they can just clinch a playoff spot with the win. But I, I, this is a real question. CJ Stroud is back and playing. I mean, he's playing fine. He played fine in his game back, but the offense just looks significantly better. Shocker. He's an awesome quarterback. And the Jaguars have been in neutral for the second half of the season since they were eight and three. And we, on our podcast, discussed if they could be the one seed. Yes. Uh, spoiler alert, they cannot. Um, which team to you would be a scarier playoff team? The Texans or the Jaguars? A question that would have been crazy before the season. Yes, yeah, definitely the Texans to yeah. me. I think it's definitely the Texans. Uh, the Jaguars feel, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it's not even about feel for the Jaguars as much as it's like about evidence. The Texans are getting better. They had, they were sidetracked for a moment when their quarterback got knocked out, but they still won one of those games. Yeah, their defense, Bathard. yeah, we're, we're fawning over the quarterback, but the defense has gotten progressively mm-hmm. better over the course of the season. That feels like a team, and to the degree that playoff experience matters, they, they don't have that in NFL experience. They're low, they're a relatively young team. You could all, always make the argument that that is like an advantage. You don't know what you get into. Like that's, that, that sort I of thing that is matters. out there. I know, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that is a hard, because, if they win, we're going to say they didn't know to be nervous about it. If they lose, we're going to say they didn't have enough playoff experience. So who knows? It could cut either way. But I think if we're just looking at the teams, I'd rather play the team that is struggling and feels like they're backing into the playoffs than the team that feels like we don't even know what their ceiling is yet. They're still approaching it for their quarterback and for their roster. And, yeah, I think that's uh, – an easy answer to me, which is surprising given what we know because the, the Jags were the team that made the great comeback last yeah. year in the playoffs. And we were looking at them even before the season started as a legitimate AFC contender. So I think that I'm with you. I think the Texans is a clear answer. And I do think it's about both teams. I think the Texans offense with CJ Stroud. And I know that, like this is not a slight on the defense way where Will Anderson seems to have been a legitimate culture uh-huh. changer and your guy, Derek Stanley Jr., who Ooh. you said could be a Hall of Fame cornerback. Uh, something happened in the middle of the season and he's turned into like an, yeah. an A1 guy. And that probably goes to D'Amico Ryan's coaching also as he's just walked in and been excellent. But the Stroud thing is is stunning. Like, I think the fact that he is, I don't I don't want to do quarterback tiers, but like right. if you're going to go down the best quarterbacks in the playoffs, he is closer to the top than I think a lot of people would realize as a rookie. And he comes in and the offense functions immediately at a really high level. I'm with you in not wanting to do quarterback tiers, but I'm okay with doing quarterback sections or quarterback uh, rooms because there is a room that C.J. Stroud has already shown us Mm -hmm. that he can get get into. And that room is a room that we haven't seen from Brock Purdy yet, despite how good he is. Mm. And a lot of quarterbacks. The room is, we down by a bunch of points. (laughs) Can can you bring us back? And C.J. can do that. Uh, When they know you're going to throw the ball, (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to do with that situation? I'm a good person, so I'm not going to make the joke that he's in a different room than Dak Prescott. But well, I, mean, I, I did not make that joke. You don't have to. Dak's done it. <laughs> Dak is in a room with Kirk Cousins while CJ's no, trying no, 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 stop it. Dak Prescott has shown that he can bring his team back from I, down a bunch of points. I didn't make he's that done joke. It in, he's done it in the playoffs. I, well, I'm not saying that Dak Prescott has done that inside and outside of the playoffs. I'm not saying it, since you're not saying what yeah, you're saying. A, a, glad neither one of us said that. Glad, and we're, gl- and we're just complimenting yeah. CJ Stroud. He's Way to go, excellent. CJ. He's really sick. Way to go, CJ. Um. I mean, I think that we, at some point over the offseason, we should do a deep dive on like how historic quarterbacks that young have been that good because I keep looking at it and I don't, I know it was his second season when Dan Marino like took over the league. Right. But I think like guys in their early 20s who have been that excellent that quickly, like even some of those great players like Mahomes didn't play till the second year, Peyton Manning didn't take off till the second year, CJ Stroud doing it this early and being so mistake free while being such a good thrower of the football. That's like, and I know we're going to get to Aaron Rodgers. That was like what made Aaron Rodgers special for so long. I could be in attack mode while not making turnovers. It's like, this is rare. We're going to get to Aaron Rodgers? I don't want to get to Aaron Rodgers. Well, we're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Like, uh, th- we're not going to talk about what you know where he belongs in the quarterback list, but we are <laughs> going to talk about the Packers. <laughs> well done. Um, because this is a story that I actually think has sort of gone under the radar. <laughs> like, The Packers could make the playoffs with Jordan Love in their first year with Aaron Rodgers. How, I just want to say, how big of a deal is that? Like, it's you- an enormous deal. I think uh, anyone who says that the the market doesn't matter, I think people have come to accept that that was something we used to say like five, ten years ago mm-hmm. that obviously isn't true. Coming off C.J. Stroud, can you imagine if C.J. Stroud was doing what he's doing in New York? 
Crazy. Like, it'd be bananas because he is playing that well. Yeah. But it's for the Texans. And I mean, they're in Houston and they're a no, relatively they're not, new They're not the Cowboys. Yeah. And they're not, yeah. And they're not the Cowboys. So the market size matters and the team matters. Um, in relation to the Green Bay Packers, I think that although they're a big name team, I think uh, love starting out poorly took our eyes off of it. But the big picture idea about them, even though it's not 100% certain that love is like going to be in their future franchise quarterback long-term, they already have won. Mm -hmm. They're competitive now. They got love another year to see what they got out of him on a, a, a reasonable deal. Very they reasonable signed deal. Him. Yeah. It's like in the teens. Yeah. They signed him to an extension this offseason. And the Packers won this deal as soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And whether he would have gotten hurt here or there, it doesn't matter. What the, what the, um, the Jets received, what they thought they were receiving was a ticket to the Super Bowl. Yeah. What they got? was not that at all and the Packers have seemed to I don't I don't know the inside of the culture of that organization that well but it seems like the results su suggest that they're doing something right consistently even though they don't know how to play well on defense they seem to understand how to build a team to s maintain a competitiveness in their division I think this has been, I'm totally with you. And just to build off of that, we don't know if where Jordan Love falls in like the franchise quarterback things, the roadmap that we talked about earlier this year, where he went from mystery box to who knows what he is now. But like since week 11, 16 touchdowns, one interception. Um, in the, the draft arsenal that the Packers have, they have their first two twos, two threes, and two fours in the upcoming draft. They have two good young tight ends who are it's a hard position to be awesome at immediately, and it's becoming one of the deeper positions of the league. We know how valuable it is to have two of them. Rodgers was upset with the front office for not drafting receiver help in the first round and drafting other positions, drafting even Jordan Love. But let's look at what they have. Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, who's like a Debo Light, Dontavian Wicks. That's not even talking about Romeo Dobbs. And basically, since then, since those guys have started developing, which, by the way, not shocking. Incredibly young players take at least half a season to develop. Jordan Love has looked like elite, elite, yeah. elite. And those are all the things that Aaron Rodgers wanted, but seemed to prevent the Packers from actually having and developing. It's interesting because the Aaron Rodgers thing, I think, is less about... He, he can't argue, and I don't think he ever did really argue that he didn't have the support that he needed. He argued, or, or the argument was made for him, that they didn't use high picks to get receivers, but he always had Devonte. He always had a great offensive line, which I think is more predictive than just about yeah. anything is you can see like Jared Goff's a great example. If you can keep pressure off of Jared Goff's, he's very good. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need that much protection, but if you can give him that much protection, he can win you back-to-back -back MVPs and have you in the conference championship. Yeah, but he also wanted to have Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and MVS and right. Dalvin and demanded Dalvin Cook on the Jets. Like so much of this, all of this stuff, it was his own destructive tendencies. Like, I don't, I, you know, for such an open-minded guy, I'm not sure he was open-minded to the idea of Christian Watson and Dobbs the way he should have been last year or trusting the front office to bring in young receivers and tight ends because that talent base, I know Garrett Wilson is awesome. Brees Hall is awesome. If you look at the, the, those rosters, obviously yeah. the Jets defense, those offensive weapons are better than what the Jets have. Period. Full stop. Include, and then when you include the offensive line, it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, especially when Brees Hall was coming off of injury, like yeah. it wasn't even at this season. But yeah, it, it seemed like it was more about like the the gestures than it was about anything else. Yeah. And like I think um, what's I can't remember the name of the book, but there's one book I read a long time ago that was talking about how we make decisions or how we form our opinions is based off of impulse, and then we find like post hoc justifications to support what we feel yeah. and, it, and the justifications happen so fast that we think that we logically came to this position when in actuality we built a lawyerly argument for something that we felt. Yeah. That's what Aaron Rodgers was doing. It's like he felt disrespected by the Jordan Love pick. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, well, yeah, then do this. You knew that. And then we look up and it's like, you guys are in the conference championship every year. Yeah. You are winning MVPs. They are doing something right. So while I always argue for player empowerment and I will defend players who uh, try to force their front offices to do stuff, 
It's only the players who are front offices are failing them. Like yeah. LeBron forcing his way to Miami. Maybe you don't like that he made it a surprise, but how could anybody ever be upset about that when they're like, hey, we're going to get you some help? Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I mean, well. this is this is totally different because Rodgers was just wrong. I mean, yeah. you look at Jordan Love. I think if, if you had said before the season that he would be two touchdowns off the league lead in touchdown passes, you'd be like, that is amazing. And even if we like him as a thrower of the football, that's shocking. Yeah. No, I, I think, um, yeah, they haven't been a team that I've been hugely focused on, but I know he's been playing better. But I don't think I knew he was playing as well as the number suggests. You picked out touchdowns and interceptions. You didn't pick out anything else. You didn't go with uh, uh you didn't go with um yards per attempt. You didn't go with QBR. You didn't go with nothing like I that. I didn't so. mention that they almost lost to the Panthers two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. But. I saw. I, I that was in the back of my head, but I mean, you avoided the the um analytic stats. You went with old fashioned counting stats, which just suggested to me that uh. You had decided what argument you wanted to make. I think QBR. Not bad. I'll take it. I'll Top take third it. of the league, and he's bad for half the season. Yeah, great. All right. You win. Hey, we're on the same team. We agreed on all of that. <laughs> we did. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Let's talk to Bomani. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila. Came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot DF. All right, welcome in to Gray Bomani Jones. Thank you for joining us. I'm just getting off of during the right time with him, which you all should probably rate, review, subscribe, and all that stuff too. And in our conversation, we had uh, a topic pop up that we didn't get to dive into that I thought would be interesting because we had two legendary, I guess, coaches that seem like they're kind of on the hot seat. One is probably going to get fired or at least move on, going to retire. I don't know. I guess he's not going to retire. And Bill Belichick. And there's a lot of noise around Mike Tomlin that I think quieted some because he might sneak back into the playoffs. But it brought up an interesting question to me about hiring coaches. And it's like the results and it's not results versus process, because I think a lot of people like to put those against each other. But it's results over, for lack of a better term, like just knowing that that can coach, you know, and do you move on from that? So I, I'd like to hear, I think the timely conversation or the timely question is probably easier than the Belichick. But where do you fall on either of those guys? All right. So the thing with Belichick, I think we have to keep in mind is. So I look at the San Antonio Spurs and I see Bill Bell. By the way, Greg Popovich is living the exact same life as Bill Belichick is right now, and nobody's talking about it. They're the worst team in the NBA, and they've been sorry for four straight years, and there's no defending the sorry that they've been. I at least have seen Bill Belichick's team be good in the last three years. I saw them make the playoffs two seasons ago, right? But part of why Popovich could kick it like he kicked it when they were winning was he had a superstar that was willing to put up with it. Like I seen something once in some interview, I can't have some story about Popovich, but he made a very important point that no matter who you were and no matter how Popovich talked to you, you had to take it if he was also going to Tim Duncan and Tim Duncan was going to take it and keep it going. That was the thing about Tom Brady with the Patriots was Belichick could kick it like he kicked it and Tom Brady went along with it, which then meant everybody else had to go along with it. There ain't no Tom Brady there now to go for it. So I wonder how well 
unless he's willing to make an alteration in his entire get down, I don't know if he can still be the coach. To me, it's not a matter of whether he forgot about the football stuff, but he's dealing with the people stuff in order to make that happen. With Tomlin, what the who's winning with the quarterbacks they've had the last five years? Like, I'm trying to figure out realistically what people think the Steelers are supposed to be, given that they've blown this quarterback thing. Yeah, and I think so. There's a couple things. The, the, the Popovich thing is another question altogether in that they've been – it's a culture question to me. Is And one of the arguments that I make against tanking generally, and you hate tanking too for this reason and many others, but don't become professional losers. And it's hard to then change that – turn that ship around. So in basketball, while Popovich was losing, I think part of – it was an understanding that that's how you rebuild in basketball. Whereas I think most football teams don't look at it that way and understandably so. So that while they will give you some grace when you're in a rebuilding period, they will not just completely write it off with it, which is what it felt like in San Diego where, or San Diego and um, San Antonio where there's like, Oh, don't worry about it. Pop's great. We just got to get right. some more players in here. Oh, and then when Wimby was available, then everybody's like, oh, you're doing a good job. Lose it all up. Now Wimby's here. <laughs> you got him. You're trying to coach him in slowly or whatever. Y'all need to be more respectable than this if you got one of these guys. They got the worst point differential in the NBA, which is a way of saying they're the worst team in the NBA. But that's what the Patriots are. Like the Patriots are basically kicking it the same way in the NFL. There's no excuse for them to be as bad as they are. Now, you can make the argument, I think it's a fair one, well, maybe you just take personnel control away from Bill Belichick and it goes from there. By the way, the last time a team made that decision, that's when the Browns hired Ozzie Newsom and then became the Ravens, and then it became the beginning of whatever everything else was that came after that. But they, maybe that's the call, but I want to say 1985 was the last good year the Dallas Cowboys had with Tom Landry. 86, 87, 88, they were bums. He never coached again. It wasn't because Tom Landry didn't know nothing about football no more, right? It's not that he just forgot how you do this, but it just might be time is up for you at that point. Because if you bring Bill Belichick into your new team, you got to turn everything over to him in a way that his last team said wasn't a good idea. So what do you do? I think it's unrealistic to expect Bill Belichick to, to um, give up the decision-making power he has in the front office, not only because of his ego and what he's accomplished and how I, if I was Bill Belichick, and if anybody was Bill Belichick, I'd say, get out of my office with that. I got six Super Bowls and you expect me to hand this over, but also because he's become such an important part and such a fulcrum to that whole organization that it seems impossible to now we got to go through this guy. It just seems unfeasible as a way to do it. So if you're going to move on, they have to move on from him. I'm less likely to move on because I know he's a good coach. And maybe that's just me being a little bit scared. But chances that you're going to get a good coach the next time are very low. You're probably going to get a bad coach. You're probably going to get a few bad coaches before you find, if you ever find, another good coach. And that's what takes me over to the Tomlin stuff. And I think most people who are arguing against Tomlin is they haven't had any playoff success in recent years. And also, your point about the quarterbacks – is also about the offense, and he's hired these trash coordinators uh, that no one seemed, no one else seemed to want. And while he is overachieving for that team, if you're not winning championships, what are we doing here? I think is what they would say. But on both of those teams, again, what are you realistically winning with Mac Jones, the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger, Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges? Yeah. Right. Like, I don't I don't know what winning there's either of these teams are supposed to do. The ghost of Cam Newton. We talked about that. Like, I just don't know what winning you're supposed to do with any of those teams that we just laid out as being there. I, I, I don't I don't know what best case scenario was for any of those teams. Is there. So I think the, the argument for for moving on from either of them, because there would be a bidding war, I guess, if either of them became available for teams to hire them. And nobody in the fan base or in the coaching staff or in the front office or in the ownership suites would say that these guys are currently bad coaches. So the argument for moving on from them is like, we just got to get a fresh start, which always yeah. feels like, while I know it to be something that's probably true, it just always feels like a, a bad idea. And I mean, yeah, I, unless it's something toxic, right? Yeah. Like, so I, Philadelphia did that with Andy Reid. I would argue it turned out to be a good idea. Even if the Chip Kelly thing had ups and downs, it was time for both of them 
to move on. And I think they it, it wound up being okay after they did that. Like, sometimes that is the case. Like, it's just time to bring in somebody new. But it does help if the it's time to bring in somebody new is with a plan for who the somebody new is. Right? Like, like it's not just we moving on. It's we got to do this, but, but, but wait till you see. Wait till you see how I flip it. <laughs> Yeah, Chip Kelly is a good flip. Gerard Mayo, we'll see. That's who everyone keeps saying. And Dog, I, he better run from that job. He better <laughs> not take that. I, I, oh boy, don't do that. Don't. Oh no, baby, baby, no, 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 no. I understand. It's right there. You may think you ain't never gonna get no other chance. All those things, pop the ten foot pole. Oh no, no, following a legend. And oh no, oh, oh, whoa, whoa. I can't. Oh hell no, no. <laughs> Oh no, no. You 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 be better off following Nick Saban. Oh. Hell no. Don't do this. That's another one you no, said. Sir. You, you said on your show that I I was surprised by it that you thought Nick Saban's not coming back. No, I just think if I just if I were him, I wouldn't come back. Like I'm old. I ain't I, I ain't I, I have to tell you, I have to do this right fast. I'm sorry. I see I, I see you changed the race in this. I have to do this right fast. And this is something that everybody needs to understand, right? You'll always hear about how bad Pete Carroll was. When he was the coach of the Patriots, he had like one year with the Jets before they fired him. People act like he was such a washout with the Patriots. His record in those years with the Patriots was 10 and 6, 9 and 7, and 8 and 8, and they fired him. Okay. I'm just saying all that to say, Gerard Mayo, <laughs> you don't, you don't want these problems, dog. You don't want to do it. That, I mean, the Gerard Mayo situation is like. Uh... It's the same to me as what you're alluding to with the college situation is, is it worth it? Because the college job is different. There is, I guess there is an amount of money where I would be interested in being a college football coach. I'd be ridiculous to say that there isn't. But it's higher than what you think I'm probably worth because the idea that you got to be perpetually recruiting not only the kids in high school, but the dudes on your roster. Mm -hmm. Like, what? we often say that it being a coach is like being a CEO. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds like in college, being a coach ain't about being a coach anymore. <laughs> You're doing very little I, coaching. I, I hear you, but what I'm saying for Barmeo also is this. You think they're going to give him any power? Like, you're going to bring this dude in. I guess he's in his late 30s, right? And after you've had the guy who had all the power in the world, the new regime is going to give very little power to the head coach if he's under the circumstances they got to do this. And I don't think he doesn't have a great deal of leverage. Like it wouldn't be like if they hired D'Amico Ryans, who had a great deal of leverage, because there'd be a lot of people that wanted to hire him. Only people really be talking about hiring Gerard Mayo was them, brother. <laughs> oh, damn. I told on myself, but don't do, don't, do don't do it. 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 You're right. I think that uh, Jonathan Kraft, who was probably running more and more of the Patriots these days, his entire like adult life has been with Bill Belichick having all the power and control inside that organization. I don't think that they're going to hand it off to Gerard Mayo. And lots of people think Hell that Hell no, they're yeah. not going <laughs> to hand it off to Gerard Mayo. <laughs> Hell no, they're not going to do that. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I I, I don't want to. Your him. goddamn mind, drop, drop, like, like, uh, no, no, like that's what I'm saying. He, I hope he know this, this. Don't do I it, mean, man. It's it's one of those things where it's like when people, uh, yeah, I don't want to name anybody in particular, but it's a cash grab. I you feel know, you. I feel you. What's the guy? What's the guy that was before? That was before. Uh, that was in Houston. For a hot second. Uh, you talking uh, about uh, David Cully and Lovey yeah, Smith? Yeah, yeah, not Lovey, David look, Cully. David Cully's yeah, like, all right, yeah. I'll take this. Give me that money. This this all I'm saying is one thing that you can't get the time back that you lose while you're doing that job, but with also the time that it's going to take off your life, yeah. you can't you can't <laughs> ignore that. Like, we have not seen the Boston, like Oof. the Boston animal Oof. in a long time. It's, it's, it's kind of like the Alabama fan. We ain't really seen it happen in football because they've been so good for 20 straight years. They're coming for your neck if you're was, the next person to take that job, no matter who you are. It was like five years ago, I think, five or six years ago when you explained to me what it was like in Alabama, the expectations. And I believed you because I liked you and I trust you, but I ain't really know. But I kind of know now. I kind of know now. <laughs> I kind of know now. Them boys is upset.
because <laughs> he took a bad team, not a bad team, but he took a team that had no business in the playoffs and won a SEC championship against the team that hadn't lost in two damn years, and he went to overtime against a team that I thought was better and barely lost by three yards, and they like, hmm. They down there like, hmm. I don't think nobody won yep. them out, but they like, hmm. Y'all should not need to think. Y'all should not need his, to, hmm. His, his mistake is the fact that they ain't had no business being there. It ain't never supposed to be like this. <laughs> They ain't never supposed. They ain't never supposed to not have no reason. Oh god, never. They are crazy down there. I, well, we got off of the Tomlin stuff. I think there's probably not much there to talk about. Maybe people have come off of that believing it was a thing that was possible. But <laughs> I, I do have new perspective on the Patriots. I still wouldn't fire that man. That man still can coach. That defense still is good. We just gonna have to figure it out. We gonna hope we get lucky with a quarterback because I'm not <laughs> moving on. Especially if I'm Robert Kraft, I'm gonna go get one of these other young whippersnappers that come up here and ruin all this. That's, no thanks. That's the issue. Like again. They think maybe maybe they think Gerard Mayo that dude. Maybe they do, and he might be. I, I don't. It don't matter, Gerard. <laughs> you if you could do it there, you could do it anywhere, my brother. I like this public service announcer. This that's what this look, uh, man. This you're not, into. you're not being. You're not. Nobody is setting up for success under them circumstances. Nobody is. Got a little. Ain't nobody made that disappear. work, but George Seifert. George <laughs> Seifert made it work. I mean Barry Barry Switzer. Does that count? Nah. He wasn't a legend. Jimmy wasn't a legend. Like yeah, Jimmy that's true. That's at fair. that point was a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, but he wasn't a legend. Bill yeah. Walsh was the genius, yes. and George Seifer came behind that and won two Super Bowls. I right? mean, frankly, like, as much as we talk about how the Shanahan offense has taken over all the football, like Shanahan is a is a Walsh disciple, and it is all predicated on that. Bill Walsh is like a seminal Mount Rushmore type NFL figure. To follow that and still win some championships is pretty impressive. Yes, and Bill Walsh, kind of the branch Ricky of NFL coaching. Heard people I mean, don't know that, and uh, Kyle Shanahan is is um. Yes. Keeping that spirit alive. Look around at, at yes. these at these coaches who ain't white. Where they come from? That's right. I, I I was telling people like as much as we celebrate Shanahan's offensive acumen, I point out that like the defense has always been great. And you want to know how great the defense is? They got a Lebanese man, a head coaching job in the NFL. That's how great the defense has been. There is they got this man a head coaching job for the New York Jets, and then. Went on to get D'Amico Ryan's a job. Them defenses have been great. And it's his defense. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to realize Steve Wilson's up there. Steve no. Wilson's a defense coordinator all the time. He's running his defense. Mm-hmm. Like, Steve, you can come in here, but you're going to have to change. Don't bring yes. none of your terminology. Don't bring none of your philosophy. It's going to take you a little while to catch on. This is what we do here. This is what gives me trouble. This is what you're going to have to do because this is how it's going to work. All right, Bomani, I appreciate you hopping on with me. Again, everyone, check him out. The right time. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Rate, review it after you rate, review mine, of course. Do it at the same time. You ain't got nothing to do. All right, we out. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. He's so good! How is Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right, time for your favorite segment with my favorite person, the catch of this podcast, <laughs> Roses and Thorns with Ashley Fox. Why are you laughing so hard? Because we were just talking about, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. I said as much as I like a confident man who knows he's the catch, I want my man to also like publicly proclaim, proclaim excuse me, that he adores me and thinks I'm the catch. So thank you Publicly proclaimed. It's, pro- it's been, I can't talk publicly proclaimed now. Even though he's like, but we all know it's true. <laughs> oh, no, I'm good. I, uh, I'm joking. He's I don't care what that. y'all think. <laughs> he's like, I know it's true. We each bring a lot to the table, I think. <laughs> what? What's so funny? I'm agreeing with his you. His facial expression. Table for is... people who did not see his facial expression, it was like, I'm going to let you say that. But, oh, no, okay. I agree with you. The <laughs> table is a cornucopia of things that have been brought by both of us. So I appreciate it. I think that a lot of what I now bring, a lot of things that people think that I bring to the table now, I would not have been able to acquire without having met you. So I think, yeah, you bring a lot to the table. So Thank I think you. that's a fair thing to say about it. I mean, and also like, I don't know, maybe it's because we've been married long enough or because we're both more secure. Not that we don't have insecurities, but I don't know. I don't do too much comparing. <laughs> like, that's at good. this point, it's like, why are we... He used to be real quantitative, y'all. He used to be like, whoa, my bucket's a bit fuller. Um, So I'm really happy that we don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah. I had to stop being quantitative because we couldn't make it if I had to count all the money that was being spent. If that was the concern, then There are other things we could be quantitative about. Yeah, I know. I know I'm saying. When you said quantitative, it made me think about money. And it's like, yeah. So got to keep working or be unhoused in our (laughs) latter years. So (laughs) ESPN, keep them checks coming (sighs) because- Somebody He's not likes... awkward at all. Oh, awkward? I'm not awkward. Anyway. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy New Year, I Happy guess. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. It's a wonderful new year. You got fancy glittery nails to do, do people about, know? Do people know? Do people know how fast Yeah, they know. If anyone who's been involved in this segment knows that you I love are, all holidays. You dress like I that was a stupid question for you to ask. Because last time they saw you, you had on antlers so yes they know that you're a festive he cursed guys he must I have feelings about my antlers you really he does not curse all the time when he curses show, a really y'all he's fronting for he's trying to seem cool and he really does not curse a lot so when he curses in conversation with me i curse i think i've said this before it sounds like deja vu but i curse probably too much when i'm talking and so i don't curse at him but i curse in conversation with him when he curses in conversation with me i'm like oh who you mad at like oh okay what did i do today <laughs> like let's find out comedic effects okay i was wearing antlers yeah because of course like i have a whole christmas headband collection Students. yes and they're not like they're from h&m like not party city they're like a little bit more less costumey more fashion than party city they're h&m children's department level luckily my hair is not too too big i can get them on um yes getting so the house back which is nice i like that getting the house back from what from the christmas okay yeah, i knew that's what he meant and i'm like in that i thought i was like he could mean i'll give him the benefit of the doubt maybe he means from like construction oh yeah we're getting but, the house back from that too but from christmas i know look we still have um Happy 12th day of Christmas, actually, as this comes out tomorrow. Um, we still have um, our big Christmas tree up. We had to take the live one down because it was very dry. And as much as I'm festive, I'm more anxious. And I was like, nah, we're not going to have. A- we didn't even have the lights on on Christmas. I was like, I'm not burning Eric down Hill's my house. Eric house caught on fire. I know. Everybody was safe, though, which is nice. I know. That was so sad. Was it a Christmas tree? I don't know. I oh, just okay, you no. said it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no. But, I mean, Christmas tree fires, and, you know, they happen more in January than they do in December. So if you have a live tree, honestly, guys, it's probably stopped drinking its water undecorate it um take put it out but i also just want to like because i'm not doing dry january maybe i'm like a dampish january i want to like have cocktails by the tree and play a christmas not on the house speakers but from my phone and still take in the joy of the season i think you know i'm what? gonna do a dry january i've just decided i've been on the fence i haven't mm-hmm. had anything to drink since we since this month so dry january yeah, it is declared it is declared. What do you mean? Oh I'm no! You're supposed. Alone. It's about healthy. Is I'm being can healthy. Can we just be damp together? No, you can be damp. I'm gonna be dry. No liquor this January. You don't have to join me. I'm not. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm I just not. Said, I'm hearing not. you say it made me think it was a I'm good not. idea. 
He is so competitive. So he heard me Not say, he heard me say, I'm going to do a damp January. He's like, I'm going to one up you. I'm going to do a dry January. He is so. It's not about co- competition. This is why it's Avery about wants health. to do club track. Yeah, because she heard gonna... someone else say, oh, I did club track and it was really exhausting and hard. She's like, sign me up. Where you do that? At? Let me show you. I can do this without being exhausted or tired or. You like know. when the positive things or I guess maybe you would argue are negative. But when I see them in my kids, it's nice. I'm, li- I'm happy that Avery's a killer. Sometimes you got to kill sh- Yes, she Good. is. Sometimes um, you got to. Sometimes you got to elbow a 12-year-old girl in the face because she tried to take your rebound. It has to be done. Yeah. Sometimes when somebody say that this is really hard, you got to do it. It's so, it may be hard for you, but it's not for me. Get them, Ave. So, dry January. You know what? Here's why I don't believe in it. Because it's kind of like a New Year's resolution, and I don't believe in those either. But I kind of also do have New Year's resolutions. <laughs> this is absurd. Other than dry January, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, No, not really. I, uh, nah. I mean, how do you improve upon perfection? I don't know. By having a dry January. So you can be more yourself, less yeah, affected that's, that's by my, the drugs. My revo- my resolution is to be more yourself. Just be more me. Yeah. What's your resolution? So guys, he does or doesn't think he's the catch in this marriage. I don't, um I, don't. I realized like the moments where I felt it most and where I felt most happy were like where I was just home with our kids, like cooking dinner or inviting like just your parents over or my parents like small we didn't have a big holiday party this year like we do and I think that like I want to and when I talk to the kids of course you know Declan's like I mean gifts but then like what makes Christmas special what makes that why do we love the holidays like when our family I think the kids they generally love the holidays and typically I do too like they're really like it's just like these times with family well that's your resolution is to do more hibernating type of activities with the family and but I'm not calling it a resolution because I don't okay. believe in those yeah <laughs> what are you calling it? It's just something I want to do. All right, cool, yeah. I mean, I think it's fine to adjust your life using the the uh, new year as a benchmark is something that people like to do, but it doesn't matter. I think all throughout the year, you as something new, I've been wanting to be more organized for a long time, but I just can't bring myself to do it. They're offering a um, service, like a which I helped women the They're organizers were at our house. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, you guys should have like a subscription service. It's uh, not like just a few life. a few hours a month, like at a discount, like that you are they available? And they they offered they just offered yesterday, but it was like based on my suggestion. Sign me up. And every two weeks they're going to come for three hours. I will appreciate about our new at home life is I'm not like I get dressed up and we go out on dates and stuff and it's fine, but. And I'll, I'll be I'm not gonna miss it that's all like, I know I'm not gonna miss it well we went out on New Year's Eve like just kind of like I didn't think we could because one our kids would be around and two he had to record Sunday evening um so we had to record Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve but on New Year's Eve they ended up being able to record a little bit earlier excuse me so we were still able to go out and we went out like somewhere that you didn't need a reservation at, like a lounge a steakhouse lounge and it was fine, but then I came home and was like, remind me next time, we could have just ordered a steak and stay home. They get steaks don't get delivered that well, and I really wanted a steak, and I've been cooking and cooking and cooking. We did have one date during this time, though. Like, we... And it was chill. I was wearing pajama pants. It was a surprising date. I didn't expect it was... I booked it. It was a free date at the library. I told him, I was like, did, I booked it as a free date. And it was I made a, a donation, though. I appreciate that. Damn, almost got away. $25. But I was spending... That's a, that's a reasonable date. I like it. So, it's... Uh, Surprising that you chose it. It was improv, and you were really good at it. It was like a free improv improv class, and you dominated the improv. At the end, there was a final game, and no good one could beat it. you. And I thought I wouldn't be good at it, so I did make myself a drink, which is why I can't do dry January. It powers my <laughs> my ability to do improv um, before we went. And it was really fun. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it. Um, one thing that was funny to me, though, there was so, let's say it was maybe like 16 people, 15, yeah. 16 people. It was like in the like the room, the activity room of the library. and about half the people were black, maybe a little bit more than half people were black. Let's say nine people were black there. So in some of the activities- You had to choose somebody. You would have to, and a lot of the initial ones, you had to like bounce something to someone else, right? Once it got to a black person, it didn't get away from the black people until every black person. <laughs> and it felt like, it almost felt awkward, but it was like, no, I'm choosing music. And music chose Holiday. These are people's names. And Holiday chose Phoenix. And Phoenix chose Dominique. And Dominique chose Greg. And then Greg's like, okay, the number of black people. Here you go, Lucas. It's your turn. <laughs> um, but like every single time we Shout chose each other. Lucas. Which, and I think it's just like, 
you choose people. Was it conscious or was it? Oh, yeah, I guess that's a question. Do you think it was conscious or do you think it was just like? Uh, so I don't know. Every time I did it, I was early on. So in the beginning, I can say from my experience, it was not conscious. But if I had been the last person or the second to last black person chosen, there was one black person left. I you wouldn't want to be the one that didn't choose my sister or brother and sent it over to Lucas. Did you think you were the only one that noticed this? Do you think the white people, I guess the question is, do you think the white people noticed that? uh, I don't know what white people noticed. Once we give it to them, we ain't never going to get it back. I do not know what white people (laughs) noticed, but um, I don't see how they didn't. Um, Because every single time, like, and it wasn't like cultural references that were being made. Like, there was no reason other than, I see you. Like, and I think so often being black, at least growing up, like, I always tell my kids, like, how, like, when I'm in our, like, kind of predominantly white neighborhood, and, but we're in D.C., so even in the whitest neighborhood, there are plenty of black people, right? Um. And so I'll like wave, like, or just smile or nod my head when I see other black people. And they notice, as they notice that I didn't necessarily do that with white people, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's like a recognition thing. It's like, even in this environment, I see you, you see me. Like, like I can't not do that in yeah. mean, that way. But it was unconscious for you. It was, so I think it was unconscious for me. But once I started noticing it, I'd be looking, you, I'd be I'm like, not gonna be the first one. I'm like, you better not give it back. <laughs> we got this now. We're getting close to, um, hiring and firing season for coaches and it's funny that you bring that up because i think that's like Same uh, thing. the argument is you i don't know if you hire people that look like you or you hire people that make you feel comfortable and i think oftentimes race you make yourself is, feel comfortable yeah race is a, like, is a i love people who look like me it's funny that this now has become a justification for um the bias high hiring in the nfl i know but 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 it's like when no offense, but this improv game, when you're out and you want to wave to someone on the street, like if you're not the person in power, it doesn't have like yeah. the negative effect. Like at our kids' no, elementary school, the reason why I think that unconsciously or consciously people made the decisions that they made in that improv, or the reason why consciously yeah, no, no. Or, or unconsciously that you're waving at people, um, and I've mentioned this before that like when you are in a even more white environment, like if I'm with all in an all-black environment then like acknowledging the black people it's seems, too much yeah you're not going to get tired i mean it seems unnecessary and yeah. like i but i i mentioned before we were in aspen and i i was surprised mm-hmm. where i gave a head nod to a guy who was like baffled like no no this is what we do like we we the only ones here and i don't know if it's messaging to them that i don't know exactly what it's messaging more than like i see you hey and if if go down I got your back. See, here's where we're different. I don't think it means if shit go down, I got your back. I'm not yeah. fighting, but you actually, I think really, like he I says that, and I think he really feels No, I don't sincerely <laughs> believe that. I think that there are, by if shit goes down, it means like if something happens, like not necessarily an altercation or physical, but like, I don't know. There's what, a fire, you're going what, back in for him. No, maybe, maybe. No, okay. but it's if, I, I don't know if Please I would have ever Christmas thought. Please take your Christmas trees out so Dominique does not have to go back in for you if there's a fire. I don't know what I, what I think it is, as much as it's like if there is some instance of bias or whatever it's like i don't know it's honestly it's i don't anticipate ever having to do anything i passed my age of fighting a long time ago but i think the point is that the reason why it's offensive when uh the people in power do it is because they are in power and it's it's impactful it's it's i mean this is going to a much deeper and much different conversation i'm very deep I'm not, but no, I see it. This irks me the most. I love my kids' school. They're really like good with um, diversity in so many ways. But the vice principal, who the principal hired recently, there wasn't always a vice principal position, looks like a carbon copy of the principal. And I'm sure she is very like well qualified and stuff. But it's like once that happens, like you just notice it. Like like and you know if it if it were a black woman who chose a carbon copy for her, I'd probably notice it. But I'd be like, okay, moving on. I'm gonna pretend I don't. But every time, like literally, sometimes they're wearing the same boots and the same coat. Like, and I'm like, damn, you couldn't have mixed that up a little bit. Um, because then the fear too is not because people look like it doesn't mean they think alike, but it's more likely that they've had similar life experiences and that have impacted how they think. And therefore, like, they might think more similarly to someone who looks like them and has had similar experiences. And you want, like, diversity of opinion, um, not just diversity of, like, appearance. Um, so uh, Yeah, I think people would argue that you're working in an environment, you're going to spend a lot of time with this person. You want to get somebody that you like and someone you feel comfortable with. But that doesn't necessarily lead to the best results or yeah. the the fairest outcomes. But. And, like, you're if it's just, like, a two-person environment, perhaps, but in a lot of these positions, whether it's a principal of a school, the coach or leader of a team, right. you are impacting other, no, a whole organization. No, I agree. You're impacting the whole organization. So. But I'm saying in those environments, those two people are, like, yeah, an no, owner of a sports team, a general. 
understand. whole management sports team are working together um, relatively frequently. I'm not saying it's the right thing. I'm saying that it probably leads to worse outcomes yeah. making those choices. But that's probably the motivation behind it. Basically, is. we get y'all's accidental racism is what he's trying to or say. Or intentional. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> well, be honest. <laughs> anyway, you got a rose of the day? Rose of the week, rose of the month, rose of the year. Any roses? Uh, It is officially sweater weather. I love sweaters. um, And I wish I could wear them all year, but I can't. But now I can't. And the one rough thing about how much I love being festive is like in those weeks of December, even when I wasn't really feeling it, like basically, okay, all of December, I feel like I can only wear Christmas colors and Christmas sweaters. So like, I don't know, it's kind of ties you down. Um, And so now I'm just into my sweaters and I like that. This doesn't qualify as a Christmas sweater. I see how you would say it does. I could argue it does because I'm Christian and Cat. In our church, we have an Advent um, wreath, and it's purple and pink. The calendars, but I don't consider this a Christmas sweater now. But I see where you would say that. What, what is the festive? Or there's no festive nature sweater. It's just a sweater, just a pink sweater. Yeah, a purple one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Ashley. Thank you to all my great producers, Megan, Serafina, Brian, Kevin. Never forget Cortez. Never forget Cortez. And Charlie. We out. I feel like you forgot some things. Did I? Hotville. Oh. Sorry. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.